Welcome to the Dare to Move podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Wood, and this is a high energy show. This season, season three, we're talking all things team, collaboration, and how to take aligned action after the stillness work. Tune in for passionate conversations from trailblazers and innovators, my own personal coaching insights, and honestly, who knows? Because this show is where anything goes. It's unscripted and all for you. Welcome back to the Dare to Move podcast. I'm really interested today to see how this lands uh, because I never intended to share so much about pregnancy, postpartum. However, this is all just reminding me how much I'm always sharing from what's real in my life. And for the month of April, I have not been coaching. So what am I most present to? Uh, Declan, my son, my little newborn, and my body, right? And this crazy, crazy healing journey that is postpartum. And if you have listened to the birth story, um, you could imagine that recovery was going to be hard. Although um, no one gave me any reason to believe, like when I say nobody, I mean no doctors or nurses gave me any reason to believe that my healing journey would be any more difficult than just a normal vaginal delivery. And we'll get to more about that uh, in this episode. Um, But don't feel like you have to listen to the birth story because um, it it is a traumatic sort of story. And I don't use that word lightly. Um, At least that was my personal experience. I chose to share it because it's my experience, you know, and that's being codependent to to only share what I think will make people feel happy or something. You know, this is not about, I never share anything to make anybody feel a certain way or not feel a certain way. I'm always sharing purposefully to be in my sovereign power and to be a teacher and I'm a projector so that's sort of just in human design what we do we we share our experience and whoever opts into this podcast hopefully gets something out of it so I will say one of my really good college friends shout out to Jaeger Lauren Jaeger well her last name's not Jaeger anymore but um she listened to the episode and messaged me and said oh my god this is crazy wow this is so traumatic you know I can't I'm going to tell our other pregnant friend not to, you know, listen to it. And I, I, I respect that because it's not for everybody. So today, this episode may or may not be for you. I do think if you're curious about what it is like to experience postpartum, then this will be great for you. Um, and I, I say this again, like I did on the birth story podcast, uh, that, you know, I didn't have this. I had, um, there are a couple women I follow. I should, I think really I should just say one. There's one woman I follow in Nashville who shared her birth story and it was a home birth. I listened to that. I want to say last November or December. And then, um, on my due date, I Googled birth story and just picked the first one that came up. And it was also a home birth that was like this really quick paced baby came out in two seconds sort of a story. So neither of them were really helpful. If you know my story, you know that <laughs> none of those helped me out. Um, and then one of my friends um, had written a blog about her birth story and she had a fast and furious birth as well. So um, it was that she was kind of like my goals. And then that obviously did not happen for me. So 
what I'm getting at is I didn't have a podcast that says, here's literally what happened in the first 14 days postpartum. I didn't have that. So that's what I'm here to do today. I also personally find it fascinating, hence why I'm taking, you know, but however long this takes to record this while Declan's sleeping instead of taking a nap. Um, I also think it's very hard to nap until I'm like literally dying of, of fatigue because I don't know. I think the doctor said today at our two-week appointment um, for Declan that this is about the time a lot of parents' adrenaline wears out, and I can tell it did on Jeff because he just took an hour nap, and I was holding Declan, who should have been eating and then slept as well. We should have all slept, honestly, but um, I just can't right now. It's kind of hard, and we'll get into that too. So where to begin? Okay, we're going to start at the hospital after he came out. Um, again, if you want to know more about that, um, tune into the birth story podcast with Jeff, by the way, Jeff is on there, which makes it almost like, not that I'm not valid or anything, but he sort of stepped in where the parts of the story and timeline where I was out of it to be like, Oh no, 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 this is what happened. So, um, was kind of a cool way to, to tell the story. Um, anyway, so I had a vaginal birth, did tear, um, one thing that everyone, at least on Instagram, talks about is, was it a first-degree tear? Was it a second-degree tear? Was it a third-degree tear? Did you have an episiotomy? Um, no tearing. Like I, I just kept reading a lot about that. So if you're someone who's pregnant or thinking about getting pregnant and curious about what kind of tear you're going to have or not have, like I would, no one told me. <laughs> my doula whispered in my ear, I think you might have had an episiotomy. But Jeff said I did not because he was watching the whole thing. He's like, there was no time once he started coming out to do that. I uh, Any tear you had was just a natural tear. I do know that um, the doctor gave me nine pokes of a lidocaine needle. And I, he didn't tell me how many stitches, but he numbed me with nine little pokes. So I'm assuming there are numerous stitches. Um, a lot of people, at least I, I shouldn't say a lot of people, I should just say I anticipated um, when I imagined what would it be like to have stitches down there? Like it just was like gruesome and awful and hard and couldn't imagine it. But really they're so far up there that like, at least in my, my, they feel far up there that like I haven't noticed them since I've been home. Um, we'll get to this more in a minute. I did use a mirror to look, kind of look at myself about two days postpartum once I was home three days postpartum and everything looked normal from the um so as you could probably tell we're six minutes in this is going to be a pretty hopeful <laughs> hopeful uh postpartum episode except one little scary incident that happened but anyway i'm getting ahead of myself um they're up there so um they do give you this postpartum like uh they call it the peri bottle it looks like i don't know kind of like a water bottle honestly and you just kind of spray it on yourself while you're peeing so that you don't feel any it dilutes your pee so you don't feel any stinging i did find a youtuber i think her i think she's called the health nut or something i don't remember her name who said that she asked for two because she couldn't take this like she took the she felt like she wanted two peri bottles to dilute i'm sure you could ask for two i, I thought about it and then i just kind of made do with one and it was fine um i'll repeat apart from the birth story podcast so after they stitched me up, the doctor stood up and said, you know, 
congratulations, have a great day. And he walked out and he was the one doctor I didn't really want, <laughs> but he did a great job. So, um, no shame there, but, uh, it was sort of, that's another story that's in the birth story podcast. Anyway, he walks out, the nurses like wanted me to do like kind of a glute bridge to lift my glutes up so they could take the kind of like medical gauze pads that were bloody, like out from under me. And I was like, I just gave birth. I can't do a glute bridge. Are you kidding? I mean, and part of my legs were numb from the epidural where it did work. And, um, so I was like, my legs were flopping around. So they ended up lifting my butt up for me, pulling that pad out. Then they called it a toga and they wrapped a sheet under in between my legs and around me and like hobbled me to the bathroom. Like I was like a war victim. <laughs> being carried out uh it was crazy and then the hilarious british nurse was like whatever you do don't look down whatever you do don't look down well of course i looked down and there was so much blood and um i think i said this in the birth story but the pad that they kind of was really sweet they put this hospital underwear on you and then they put this pad in that that looks like a puppy pad that like puppies like pee potty train on and then an ice pack and they give you this spray luckily i brought my own because their spray it i don't know it seemed more alcohol based to me and like bernie and the spray that i have which is the earth mama perineal spray um one of my chicago friends suzanne recommended it it has like witch hazel and all the things that I made postpartum pads out of. And um, it was so soothing. It was amazing. So um, I sprayed that first and foremost. I was like not about to use their stuff. Um, and they were amazing. They just like set it all up for me. And then they hobbled me back to bed. Jeff later would joke when I had my whole setup on that I looked like a sumo wrestler. And he'd be like in the right wing we have garrett what and he's oh he's just made the whole thing so fun and silly but um you know it's like hard to walk because you have this ice pack that's like the size of like i don't know this it's like a you know the size of a ruler lengthwise and like i don't know as wide as my wallet so you kind of waddle and then i fell asleep so i fell asleep for like an hour and a half two hours declan was in observation and then we were supposed to, and by the way, I won't give you an hour to hour play by play throughout this whole thing, but the first, you know, the first day or two is sort of, um, you know, where a lot of change happens. So, um, I wake up feeling wounded, right? Like I can tell I'm bleeding. I'm exhausted. I had been pushing for so long, had barely eaten in however many days. The weird thing was that like, I think right after birth, before I fell asleep, I had like a protein bar and a coffee maybe, but like I hadn't eaten because I had had this epidural that didn't work for me. So I was really hungry. But of course, the first thing I was like, why did we didn't go visit Declan yet? We need to go visit him. We need to go visit him. And Jeff was like, you need to shower first. So um, I was supposed to call the nurse to shower. And somehow, I don't know if I just didn't want to wait or what. I just, I don't remember much, but I hobbled into the bathroom and I showered. Like, What? I, I don't know how I did that, and I don't even know if it was safe, but I showered. It felt really amazing. Put some clothes on, got in bed. I was like, okay, when can we go see Declan? I think they're going to bring me a wheelchair. And then by the time I called the nurse and said, hey, we'd like you to come help me go visit Declan, who is in observation, she was bringing him in, and he was back early because he had passed all the tests, which was amazing. So I snuggled with him, tried to feed him. And the second I tried to feed him, I felt my uterus start contracting, which 
was um, after, I've already forgotten something, um, they had come in twice to check my stomach. And they're constantly pushing on your stomach to make sure your uterus is going down. So my uterus starts contracting because, um, and I had asked, they said, you know, should I try to breastfeed him? And they're like, you, you, you can if you want. And I don't know if that's because they're trained to like not pressure you or whatever. But um, this girl I went to college with, Shelly, um, or Michelle, she suggested that I try pumping to induce labor. So when I tried to pump the night before I was induced, milk actually came out. So I was kind of like, I'm good to go. Like, I'm not worried. I'm just going to try to feed him. And of course, I did everything wrong. So I learned later, which is why I got cracked raw bloody nipples, which was so fun. Um, but at this point, I just put him on my boob. Didn't know he was like a shallow latch. And um, he was kind of suckling. And that was enough to get the colostrum out and my uterus to start contracting hardcore. And I kid you not when I say like, it was a little hard for me to process. Um, luckily, they don't feed that long when they're like, I think I just did five minutes maybe on each side um, because I had had such a traumatic birth that like it reminded me of contractions and that was really painful and scary and whatever. So that happened. Um, I did eat Oh, I think I ate either pasta that night or the next night. Maybe I just had a sandwich that night. And then they're kind of like, you know, uh, good luck. Like, you just got to wake them up every two to three hours to eat. And we're like, okay. So the first night, Jeff and I are sort of becoming telepathic. And somehow, without saying it, we just took turns. Like, th the first time Declan woke up around, let's say, midnight, Jeff got him up, changed his diaper, brought him to me. I fed him. Jeff rocked him, put him down. The next time I got up, changed him fed him, put him down. That was dangerous because my hospital bed was a little bit too high up off the ground. And Jeff was so tired, just like I was from being up for three days that like he was sleeping through it, which is fine because it wasn't like his turn. And um, I just remember holding the seven and a half pound baby and like trying to crawl out of the hospital bed and being Again, I, I mentioned this on the birth story, but I've I've done powerlifting meets, I've done day hikes, I've done half marathons, I've done running 26 miles in a week and heavy lifting and it just done a lot of physical things in my life, um, powerlifting meets, whatever, and nothing has hurt or been as sore in my life as I was that night um, because I pulled on things and I pushed on things to grit through the contractions. So my lat, and then I pulled on bars when I was pushing for, you know, well, basically six hours. And uh, my lats were so sore. My abs were so sore. My legs were so sore. And I just kept thinking, I, I'm going to trip out of this hospital bed. Um, and, you know, if you've read any postpartum or prenatal or postnatal um, blogs or Instagram accounts, they talk about how you should be able to do some single leg stuff before you ever try to run when you're postpartum. So I made a mental note, like, okay, I'm going to check my single leg, um, you know, unilateral movements before I go running, you know, after I'm sometimes six weeks postpartum. And here I am the day I've given birth that night, get, you know, getting out of bed with one leg at a time, standing up, like, it was just hard to sit up in the hospital bed. Now I just feel like I'm complaining, but I'm just trying to, it was very hard. Um, the good news was that that night he kept, um, 
sleeping. He would sleep two to three to, you know, two to three hours and not really wake up in between. So um, in those times, Jeff, you know, would do his thing and then go to sleep. I would have to go to the bathroom and change because I could just feel that I was still bleeding. So um, I would say in the first 12 to 24 hours, every time I went to the bathroom, a lot more blood would come out and there's just a lot of blood in general. But again, I kept using my spray and I personally, I think I wrote about this on Instagram, I took the pads they give you at the hospital, not the big puppy pad ones, but they give you two sizes. One's just like a normal pad. Seemed big for me because I really don't use those ever. Um, So I brought five Depends. Jeff had to go pick up more. I brought two Depends. And Jeff ended up bringing up like six more back to the hospital. But um, what I would do is take a Depends and then take the Carefree. I think it was Carefree. I don't remember the brand for sure big pad that they give you, not the huge one, but it's big to me, put that inside the Depends, spray my spray on the pad and on myself, pull up the Depends, and then I had these underwear. They kind of look like a giant bathing suit bottom or almost like, I don't know, like high-waisted underwear that are tight, spandex. And I would put that over the Depends to hold everything in place and kind of hold my belly a little. They're not not that tight. They're not like a girdle. They just are like wearing, I don't know, broken in Lululemon leggings. That's what they felt like. So I would wear that. I recommend this brand. I'm not sponsored by them. It's called Nysa. On Instagram, it's at Care. And um, they do have an insertion for um, an ice pack that comes with them that can go in the crotch, although it was kind of hard to, to sit with um, or across the belly if you have a C-section. Um, I didn't use them for the ice pack. I used the ice pack for my boobs later. And I just use that underwear, and I'm actually wearing it right now, to um, put the hold the Depends in place, right? Everything was secure. Having that under control was made everything else in the hospital so much easier because again every time they'd come into my room to check my vitals i would have to pull myself up in bed and i could barely do it and then i'd have to hold the baby and then like move the baby to try to figure out breastfeeding and all this stuff but um so we get birth thursday morning thursday night to friday was the night that like it kind of worked but i was scared the next night friday night to saturday that night we declan just never went to sleep and we could not figure out what he wanted. And Jeff, actually, they gave us this hilarious paper that was like, beware of night two. And about three hours into being like, why won't he sleep? Why won't he eat? What does he want? Blah, 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 blah. Jeff starts reading it. And it's like, night two is often a night of many witching hours. And the babies start to realize that they're not in the womb anymore. And they freak out. And they just want to be close to your boobs. And so we were just beside ourselves in a daze at one point I tried to like have the baby sleep in the bed with me because I was just so tired of holding him and I made like a pillow thing around us and Jeff was like nope like you're delirious that's not safe put him back in the you know bassinet he cried five minutes and then Jeff picked him up and then I picked him up and at um I want to say like 3 a.m the night nurse was like look you guys do need some sort of sleep She's like, I can take him to go do his hearing test and we can do this heel prick thing he needs to do. And um, there was one other thing. I'm forgetting what it is. Um, And then we'll bring him back. All of that will take about 45 minutes to an hour and at least you guys could sleep then. 
And I just felt so bad. I'm like, I don't want him to do that when he's already fussy and he's already, you know, scared and crying. That's the last thing I want to do. And Jeff and I looked at each other, like, what about a pacifier? And she's like, as long as you don't let the latch consultant see you, use it, sure. So we get this little pacifier thing and it consoled him for 45 minutes in which we slept, which brought us to about 4.15. And then she came and drew my vitals and his vitals. One of the tests, by 5 a.m. she was like, we need him to be ready for circumcision at 6. So then I think I ate, I don't even remember, but long story short, we slept like 40, 45 minutes that night. And um, the next morning we're like, okay, we're getting cleared. We're getting approved to go home. And, and I had showered again and not washed my hair because I was like, I'm going to be home in my own bathroom soon. But I got dressed and I was like, wait a second. I feel like normal down there. My bleeding is better. I like can fit into my belly bandit postpartum leggings that were, by the way, really, really tight. Um, but I just, I texted my mom and I said, my bleeding is down. My belly is down. It felt down then looking back at pictures. I looked like six months pregnant for sure. Um, but I said, my belly's down, my bleeding's down. Um, I feel better. Am I superwoman? Because I really immediately, well, I say immediately, I was sleep deprived. I still was sore. Um, and when I say sore, like, um, I don't know if anyone listening has ever done a ton of chin-ups or rows, but my lats were so sore, I could not straighten my arms above my head. But I had just made such an improvement from Thursday to Saturday that I was like, I am superwoman. This is incredible. So um, we went home and thankfully my mom is, was there. Highly recommend anyone who has a family friend, a parent, a sibling, a neighbor who can come over when you get home from the hospital. It actually makes it less kind of like weird <laughs> um, because Jeff and I hadn't slept that second night. So we were about to pass out. Like we were delirious. So my mom held the baby while he slept. Um, and kept rocking him so we could take a two hour nap because we were just exhausted. So anyway, back to postpartum stuff. So we've covered the fact that I was incredibly sore. We covered the bleeding that happened immediately after. Um, you know, I had the Depends with me at the hospital, which were so much more comfortable and the NYSA care underwear to kind of hold the diaper in place for me. All of that was great. Um, but my boobs were awfully sore already and you know the baby has to keep eating um what i didn't have at the hawk at the hospital was the haka which the haka is this like suction cup thing if you've seen me on instagram i've been posting a ton about it and it basically just kind of latches onto you and catches what drips while you're feeding um on one side it catches the drip in the other it's not really pumping anything it's just kind of catching um, the suction can be kind of super tight or you can loosen it. Sometimes I actually just sit it on my leg. It's a little bit risky, but I would sit it there if I was worried it was sucking out too much to literally just be like a cup to drip into. It is a risky move though. I have spilled. Um, but anyway, my boobs are really sore and I was using the Earth Mama nipple butter and I um, had felt sort of like Okay, um, I got to keep doing this. I got to figure out the latch, but my milk fully, fully, fully came in um, once I was home. And 
that's when the dripping really started. I mean, thank goodness it didn't happen in the hospital because I didn't have, I, actually maybe I did pack one haka with me, but um, never needed it. So um, that was bad because um, I had heard stories of women having cracked nipples, scabs, all that stuff. I definitely scabbed. I definitely bled. Um, I definitely cried. But um, there's something so like resilient in you when you are postpartum and your baby needs to eat that. Um, and again, I was blessed to be able to have a ton of milk available for him that I just kind of kept going through it. Now, the other part is we, because he had a little bit of jaundice, there was a traveling nurse that had to come by on Sunday who helped us with, um, she ended up just, you know, offering some advice on latching. Um, and she was like, it shouldn't hurt. It shouldn't hurt. It shouldn't hurt, but it was still hurting. Um, the one thing that saved me was a nipple shield. So if you guys, um, you know, have a nipple shield handy, you want to get one beforehand to have some at home. Um, I got mine from the hospital. I'm still using the one they gave me at the hospital. Just know that there are two different sizes. Um, one of the nurses tried to put the smaller size on me in the hospital and I screamed bloody murder. It hurt so bad. Um, so, uh, the nipple shield is nice because if your nipples are going flatter, then you kind of have this thing that gives the baby something to really latch onto. Um, but the nipple, the boob pain, the scabbing, all of that, it sort of feels like a distant memory now, uh, which is crazy to say because in the moment it felt so awful. But the scabs and the bleeding and the pain of the actual nipple itself, that feels as far away now. And I'm recording this. I've kind of done it in two stints, um, all before I'm three weeks postpartum. Um, and that's amazing so if you're going through it or you're worried about going through it just know it's temporary and it's not forever just keep at it um or don't if you don't want to it's you know your sovereignty choose you choose right uh and so we've covered the nipple pain um i will say that because i have an oversupply like my mom like you know i'm constantly dripping everywhere that's really annoying i've soaked t-shirts i've soaked everything um really frustrating probably the most frustrating now that my milk is fully here and here to stay it seems is I keep um even though we got cleared by the doctor at two weeks to um let him sleep as long as he wants um you know not that he will he's not going to sleep eight hours but uh, in theory if he did it would be allowed um I got so excited because I'm like oh maybe he'll go longer than four hours maybe he'll go five hours but guess who wakes up before that? Me, because my boobs wake me up because they're either leaking all over me or they are in pain because they're so hard because they need to be relieved. So I have um, a couple of times I just sit up in bed, put the hakas on, get like an ounce out of each side and then go back to sleep. Sometimes I'm so tired, I hug a towel and just let the towel absorb it. Uh, and sometimes I use a hand expressor um, just to, it's like a hand pump that they gave me at the hospital to sort of move through that. So um, that's a little bit on the breastfeeding. I'll probably, probably circle back to it more, but as far as down there goes, I actually, um, so I, I told you about how when I left the hospital, I was like, am I a superwoman? Like things feel kind of great. Um, I got home and the next day, I used a mirror and looked down there and I was like, I mean, things look a little swollen, but like not that bad. I was like, what? How crazy is this? Like how, what did I give birth? Like, and for anyone worried about getting stitches, like 
I've never seen them. I haven't felt them. Um, I may as well not have had them. I know I did have them, but um, just if you're scared of tearing, and again, maybe I didn't have a big tear. Maybe I just had a small tear. I don't know. They didn't tell me. I know I had at least nine stitches. Um, you know, it, it. I haven't felt it at all. Um, so that's maybe mentally helpful for anyone that's worried about it. Um, but I stopped using the Perry bottle uh, at the day before my 14, or sorry, I digress. I, I'm messing up. Um, I stopped using it um, on day 16, um, which is crazy. Uh, I didn't, I, maybe I thought I would bleed longer, but um, the Perry bottle, you know, that helps you uh, not sting when you pee because there was nothing stinging, right? Um, when I was having heavier bleeding, I would use it really just to, you know, feel like I'm cleaning myself a little better, but um, haven't used that. So everything was looking great. Everything's feeling great. I stopped wearing a diaper at probably 11 days, um, put a pad in a couple times and used period underwear. And I'm like, wow, everything's so great. So then day 12, day 13, one of those two, I'm forgetting now. I'm like, okay, finally, I'm going to take a bath with Declan. I'm so excited. And um, I put my bathing suit on and I'm like upstairs in the bathroom opening this um, soap and um, lotion that was gifted to us for newborns. And I'm like, okay, Jeff, like bring the baby up in just a second. I was putting the towels out, getting his like a kneeling pad for Jeff and just so excited to do this whole bath thing. And out of nowhere, I felt like a fist was punching through my vagina or I was pooping my pants, like one of the two. Something was coming out and instinctively, I was right by the toilet. I just sat down <laughs> and pulled my bathing suit bottoms down and there was blood everywhere. I felt something fall out of me. And luckily, one of the OBs at the hospital had said, just so you know, you're going to have one blood clot pass and it may be as big as the size of your fist. And um, as long as it's just one, you'll be good. That it might happen in two weeks and it might take a while, but that's sort of like a big marker of your healing. And as long as it's just one blood clot, you're good to go. She said nothing about extra blood. And the blood that came out was bright red, not like an older, darker red. It was bright red, just like when I gave birth. I had not seen this much blood since the moment they walked me to the bathroom after I gave birth. And um, so it's on the floor. I'm, I screamed to Jeff. Jeff comes up holding the baby and he's like, you're lucky you're married to a hunter because I, blood doesn't freak me out. And he's like, how can I help you? Like, do you want me to like, do you want your peri bottle? I was like, yeah, that might help. And he's like, why don't you stand up? Why don't you go lay down? I'm like, Jeff, I can't get off the toilet. Like I'm, do you hear this? Like blood is still pouring out of me. And I guess I never realized how much blood makes me woozy, but um, I was definitely creeped out by just seeing all of that. And I kept saying, Jeff, I don't, it, Jeff was like, this is great. You passed the big clot. Good job. But I not only passed the big clot, but so much blood was coming out. I had to flush the toilet like five times, um, which, you know, it's kind of nuts. And I said, Jeff, no, they didn't. She said, pass a clot. She didn't say, uh, pass a clot and a ton of blood. So I'm going to call as soon as I can, which I did. So when I called, I just said exactly that. I'm like, hey, you know, 
this doctor told me I'd have a clot, but she didn't say blood. I just want to call because I'm bleeding very heavily. Um, I was probably on the toilet for, I don't know, five to 10 minutes, just bleeding, bleeding, bleeding. And Jeff kept thinking, no, this is positive. This is normal. This is the end of it. But it's just weird because I literally hadn't bled like at all for two days. And now there's blood gushing out of me, like a little creepy. So the nurse was like kind of concerned, like you could tell. And she's like, uh, I will be calling you back very soon. If, if, if you keep bleeding and you feel dizzy or lightheaded, call 911. So now I'm a little on edge. She calls back and she's like, you know, the doctor that told you about the clot would like to see you. The bleeding may, may or may not be normal. Um, please bring a hospital bag. We may have to admit you. So I'm like, what the heck? And, you know, it's scary because you're sleep deprived. You are still, you know, I, have thinking about trauma when you think about the hospital if you've listened to my birth story you know how traumatic that was for me and now I'm like I have to go alone to the hospital and potentially stay like what so I just threw like <laughs> in case you're wondering what I put in my bag I literally just put nitro coffees perfect bars and a hairbrush and depends <laughs> I was like that's all I need um and so I get to the place and, you know, I'm not even two full weeks postpartum yet. And they're like, we're going to have to put in a speculum. We're going to have to put in this other thing to check because, and this is, you know, the reason I'm sharing this is because I just didn't know this and it, it does make a lot of sense. But because I had the chorioamnitis, which is an infection of the amniotic fluid during labor, which, you know, it can happen from STDs. It can happen from all sorts of things, but well, the amniotic one is is from typically long labor, but it can then become endometriitis. Um, and endometriitis can happen from STDs. It can happen from uh, C-section. It can happen from long labor. I think there's one other thing that can cause it. I'm forgetting. But um, obviously mine was from having this long labor. And the way my doctor explained it, she goes, endometriitis is essentially the same exact thing as choreo. Um, it's just you're not in labor anymore so we don't call it that and it's it's in the tissue of the uterus she's like if left untreated it can cause you know a slew of things but at worst infertility so i'm like okay like we gotta take this seriously so she was super gentle it was really scary because i'm like wait i have stitches still in there the, the other doctor said the stitches would be in there for four weeks like how are you going to put this metal thing up there oh it was so awful but she's really delicate i will say it didn't hurt that bad maybe just because i've been through the ringer with pain um and she checked uh, with some other, like, it looked like a thermometer type of thing. And she's like, look, the bleeding does look like it's gone down, which makes me happy. Everything looks healthy. Um, and and she's like, there's still a chance that you could have endometriitis. She's like, you have two options. You know, you can take an antibiotic to be safe or you can uh, not, but have to have a very low threshold for calling us and keeping us in the loop with what's going on because we don't want to miss an infection. And I was already on Tylenol and Motrin from all these muscle spasms left over from the epidural and just aches and pains that, and the uterus contracting all of that back down, uh, that I, she's like, we could miss, we might miss a fever that would tell us. So, so I opted to take the antibiotics. I will say, um, I'm, just removed myself from them after six days because I was feeling worse. And she told me I could. She said, look, if you feel really, really bad and you have no bleeding for three days, you know, take stop taking them if, if you feel like you know, you'd rather not, and which I did, uh, stop. But, um, that was crazy. Um, and my doula who I talked to after the whole doctor appointment, 
she came over later that day. She was like, you know, I would have said, she's like, I wish you would have called me, which I was just frantic and stressed and sleep deprived. She's like, I would have told you that's normal because, you know, the clot could have been holding, kind of blocking some blood from coming out. Um, but, you know, everything happens for a reason. I'm glad you're on antibiotics and so on. Um, obviously, I'm not a doctor. I'm not making any suggestions, but I just think this is a really good for me, I'm just grateful that like I took her words very literally. She did not say you will have a clot and a lot of blood. She said you will have a clot come out. So that was why I called. So that was a very big surprise. I thought, you know, my healing is in a really good place. Um, everything's great. And it wasn't. Um, but what's interesting is that happened on day 12 or 13. And then by day 17, I was done bleeding. So that's been really great. Um, minor discharge, but nothing like blood. Um, and I haven't really had any cramping since. So that's been down since Thursday. Um, and also I've noticed my sweating is better. I still have like hot flashes during the day, a little bit of sweating at night, but nothing like the first, call it 10 days out of the hospital. The night sweats, postpartum sweating is so bad. And I know some women don't take 10 days literally because I know like my mom, for instance, was like, I never stopped. <laughs> She's like, I've been sweating ever since. Uh, so I've just been lucky that I've noticed it come down a little bit. So sweating's better. Um, again, my biggest pet peeve postpartum so far, aside from that scary clot incident, has been the leaking. The leaking of the breast milk is awful and not being able to sleep because I have to wake up and tend to it is not fun. I know I'm not alone in this. I'm sure many women have. And I also know that some women aren't able to even have a, a good supply. So it's not complaining. It's just everybody's, you know, experience is different and this is mine. Um, the sleep deprivation though, I will continue to say, it's not as bad for me just because it's familiar. Because I got up so many days, you know, like I already mentioned with Barry's boot camp teaching those 5 a.m. classes, the deliriousness, the, you know, 15 minute catnaps that are needed in the afternoon, all that stuff is like, I've done this and I did it for years and I survived and I'm fine. Um, and at the time I didn't have a cute little baby to snuggle with when I was, you know, stressed or tired. So that's been, pretty great. Um, as far as middle of the night stuff, I had heard like, you know, have milk on hand so the dad can give a bottle in the middle of the night and take turns and all this stuff. And one of the most surprising things for me is that taking turns is not what we've done. We've done every single wake up together. And I don't know if you're thinking you're crazy or maybe you have a kid or four kids or whatever, and you've always taken turns with your husband, partner, um, wife, I will just explain what we've done and why I like it so much. So because of all that leakage, by the time when we were waking him up at three hours and four hours, or by the time he wakes up on his own, I am like, you know, a mess, right? My tank tops usually, you know, leaked on. I'm trying to clean myself up. I have to pee. The baby's crying. And um, shout out to all the moms and caretakers who do this on their own. I, I just don't know how. It's so challenging. Um, and Jeff has had this paternity leave, as mentioned. So he's been up with me so far. <laughs> I'm sure he'll still help, but um, pretty soon it'll just be me. But again, this has been a nice transition for us to do it together. So he would get uh, Declan out of the halo bassinet and start to slowly undress him if he was kind of sleepy because sometimes he cries in his sleep or is half awake, half asleep, and then changes diaper. 
while I would pee, clean myself up, get my hakas on, I have to set up a whole slew of pillows to be able to breastfeed him um, because it's just not that intuitive yet. It's not that easy for me to just whip out a boob. Uh, I have to really support all the pillows, all the stuff. I get all set up. Then Jeff brings the baby to me. I start feeding, which sometimes the latch is instant. Sometimes it takes like three minutes to get him to latch, nipple shield or not. Um, and then Jeff kind of lays down while I do the feed. When I start to think he's either going to switch to the other side or he's already switched to the other side and he's about done, Jeff goes and gets a bottle um, with, you know, it used to be 1.5 ounces. Now we're doing up to like trying to get him to eat three, but um, he doesn't always drink it all. Uh, Jeff goes, gets the bottle off the warmer and, um, you know, gives him a bottle while I put the Hakka milk away, which is uh, on average three, three and a half ounces caught. So I put that, store that away. Um, if I hadn't peed before, I go use the restroom, wash my hands. And then Jeff and I together help put his pajamas on. And then one of us will rock him if he's not already asleep by the time his pajamas and swaddle are on. So it's just nice to have a partner there because you're both delirious. You're going through it together. And Jeff suggested um, in his week four of paternity leave, which is the week I'm recording this. Well, I recorded the first 20 minutes or the week in the week three of his paternity leave, two weeks, but I'm now almost three weeks postpartum and um, <laughs> back to this recording because I didn't have an hour to just sit down and do it all. He suggested the other night, he was like, why don't we try taking turns? And I was like, I was like, Jeff, when I am leaking milk everywhere over the baby on the bed while trying to undress him and slipping on it while I'm, you know, trying to walk him to the changing table and then him crying like he does and then me trying to get him to latch. Sometimes Jeff has to help me with the nipple shield and then coming in and out, carrying, where am I going to put the baby when he's when I go get the, while I go get the bottle, like, I'm like, there's so many things that we've been doing. And, you know, I'm sure a bunch of people listening that have kids are like, Oh, you're doing it all wrong. You know, just respect. Everyone has their own system here. <laughs> this has been our system. Um, and I was like, it would wake you up. So then you're just laying there and Jeff's not the kind of guy to just lay there and spectate. He would jump right in. So I'm like, you would end up helping anyway. So let's just keep up with this until you go back to work. And then we can consider taking turns or I can try to do it all or just use you a little bit, et cetera. Because he was like, you know, it's easier to sleep through it um, or to hear it and not get out of bed. He's like, once you get out of bed and you're walking around and you're doing things, you know, that kind of wakes you up. I was like, okay, I get it. I get it. But um, TBD, we'll see how the transition goes with Jeff going back to work. Granted, he is going back to work upstairs um, at our house. So it's not like he has to be super alert to drive or do the Boston commute early in the morning. Um, he could sleep in a little bit if he needed to. So, um, but he, you guys know if you're a loyal listener, he's very diligent with his workouts. Um, he started his workouts again this week. He was sort of working out the week that his paternity leave started, which was when, um, Monday, I think his last workout was Monday, April 5th. And then we got induced the 6th. The baby was born the 8th. The, the first full week of the baby being home, Jeff didn't work out. And then now he's been uh, doing some workouts. So, um, or sorry, yeah, this week he's doing workouts. I guess the second full week of the baby being home, he really didn't either because we were just both so, so sleep deprived. Um, 
But anyway, I digress. He has been an incredible help and that has made the postpartum journey easier. I only had one sort of um, postpartum mental, emotional wave, so to speak. Um, I'm not going to get into it too much because it was with a family member, um, but it was just lack of respect and consideration, um, in my opinion. And I felt, um, not seen supported or, um, just, you know, when you're postpartum, you want someone to say, Hey, you're doing a great job. Keep it up. And, um, there was a person who was sort of like, just didn't even ask me how I was. And I'm like, I'm, you know, six, I don't remember where, what, I don't remember what day it was, but wasn't very far out of the hospital. And this person was just talking about themselves. And then it was just a lot. And I was like literally crying on the bathroom floor, totally exhausted. And um, luckily Jeff was there for me and super supportive and held space for me and all of that. And so just to be seen and heard by your partner in those moments, I think, is really, really um, special and helpful. The other thing Jeff um, and I talked about before I got pregnant was just like, was the postpartum mental, emotional waves? How am I feeling? All of that stuff. And, um, so, and he's asked me, you know, every day since the baby's done, how's your headspace? How's your headspace? And it's funny. Cause at first I was just still in shock and adrenaline and like, you know, it's fine. Of course it's fine. Like I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And then now when he asks me, I'm kind of like have to sit there and be like, how am I? Like I, I'm going to actually sit with the question um, because you are in, you know, on this podcast, if you're a loyal listener, we talk so much about the levels of consciousness and there really is an important side of fight or flight and reactive consciousness. You know, we talk about how in order to get away from triggers and polarity and live a more peaceful, less triggered, um, you know, life as an observer in restful awareness level of consciousness in order to access higher levels of consciousness, like higher guidance or, uh, creativity or intuition. Restful awareness is sort of like needs to be your baseline, right? We don't want to be in fight or flight or, or reactive. However, um, like my teacher, Alexandra, who's taught me all of this would say, you know, when you're in a dark alley, you, you hope your fight or flight can kick in. Right. So we're always sort of moving through the different levels of consciousness. And it was actually our pediatrician at our two week appointment was like, how are you guys doing? And we're like, we're, you know, we're good. We're, you know, tired. She's like, yeah, it's interesting because two weeks is typically the point where people, parents start to feel like the adrenaline's kind of worn off and they're finally like, whoa, I'm tired. Whoa, I'm exhausted. And for me, it was actually like day 16, 17 that I was like, I'm a little bit more tired. Jeff and I have taken more naps together in this week than we did any time prior. And I got my appetite back. So that was for me a way for me to understand like that I was out of the adrenaline because anyone who's ever done like, not that I've done cocaine, but if you've done drugs or Adderall or um, in my case, it's nitro coffee. um, If you're on any sort of an upper, you're like, you're not hungry. Right. And um, I came home from the hospital. Granted, I was drinking a lot of caffeine, but I was just not hungry and I really was shocked by that because everyone's like, oh, you're going to be breastfeeding. You're going to be so hungry. 
and I didn't get my appetite back till this week, which is um, the third week of, well, I'm about to be formally three weeks postpartum. So that being said, I thought that was interesting because um, the adrenaline came down and um, I think it's because we're a little bit more out of our um, fight or flight and our reactive consciousness. And again, you want to be able to react. Like this is a silly example, but what if you have a little boy and he starts peeing while you're changing his diaper, you react really quickly and you grab a towel and you throw it over him, you know, or you grab a wipe and you cover him. Um, the baby spits up or the baby starts choking and, you know, looks like he's going to spit up. You start burping him. Like all these quick instincts you just kind of do are all in reactive consciousness and fight or flight. So that's been interesting to like be in those states and also be aware that you're in those states and be grateful for it. Um, so it's been very, yeah, very interesting. I'm trying to think what else I haven't covered. Um, we talked about the extra bottle. We talked about breast milk. We talked about, um, cramping. Oh, we'll go to fitness. So, um, very soon after we got home, the weather was very nice. So we were like, oh, let's go on a walk. So I want to say we got home Saturday. I want to say by Tuesday, maybe Monday, we were like, let's go on a walk. So we live on this little kind of cul-de-sac street that's from our driveway. You go downhill and then you turn around, you come uphill. We start walking just, um, I think the first time it was just Jeff and my mom and I and we're going we're going i'm like guys you gotta slow down you gotta slow down and in my head i'm like oh i'm, I'm on caffeine i feel great it's sunny outside but i was like i'm but like as i'm walking i'm like i'm gonna pass out i feel like i've been hiking you know seven hours and not had enough to eat like it felt so crazy and at the time i actually probably hadn't had enough to eat because I, I didn't have an appetite and so not the next day, but like the day after, maybe that Wednesday, we go on another walk with Jeff's mom. And then um, that weekend, we went on a walk down our street and up our street with uh, my dad and stepmom. And, you know, each time I'm like, man, it's not getting easier. And now I'm like, well, this is why they tell you not to work out for six weeks because you just, your body is just not all there. So it was kind of frustrating because in my head, I'm like, oh, it's pretty. Like, I want to jog. I want to go walk. I want to do all this stuff. And I just felt so weak. So we kind of took a break from walking because it was gross outside. And then this week, so I'm recording this on a Wednesday. You're going to hear it one week from today. Um, on Monday, it was sunny outside. We actually had a really great night of sleep the night before. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go on the treadmill today and I'm just going to walk really slow, maybe do a little incline and just, who knows, maybe break a sweat. And before I got on the tread, I was like, watch me like want to jog because I feel so good. I started walking. I made it 24 minutes before I was like, I'm going to pass out. And I had had tons of caffeine. I had had tons of water. I had had um, a really, really big breakfast. Um, and yeah, I was like, whoa, like my body's just, the energy's not really there. So I haven't put two and two together there. It's just like, okay, obviously my body's still healing, but it just, it's just interesting to me. Um, anyone who tries to like work out, which, you know, is not a good idea because it's definitely not advised by a doctor. I don't know how they even try that. I know there's women who do it. But um, I have done some of the Bell Method on Instagram at the Bell Method. I think her name's Nikki um, from Canada. She has some incredible like one week postpartum, like do your diaphragmatic breathing, which I did. Two weeks postpartum, like these kind of like supported leg drops and hip openers and um, 
cat cow kind of ab engagement stuff i've been doing those which when i say i've been doing them it's literally like me doing it for like maybe five minutes <laughs> it's like nothing um so yeah so that's kind of been the fitness side of it she did say at three weeks postpartum she was doing these like squats like plie squats while holding the baby and i turned three weeks tomorrow but yesterday so at let's say what is that 20 days postpartum or 19 days postpartum i was in the nursery with declan and i was like oh i'll try them like i'll try these plie squats and everything felt good like in my pelvic floor but i just felt again like super exhausted super tired super out of breath and i was like yeah, no, I'm not doing this. Um, but the only thing that's been frustrating aside from the boob stuff, if we want to talk body and, and all of that is just that I lost so much weight so quick. And when you're five, two, and most people who are five, two, like myself, I used to weigh as a fit person who worked out a ton, like in college, I was always like between 115 and 120. But then as I started lifting, if you guys have followed, you know, me since 2014 with all my blogs and bodybuilding and all that stuff, I put on like 10 pounds of muscle. So when I got pregnant, I was size zero, size two ish. Um, you know, I weighed 130 pounds and when you gain almost 50, I think it was 48 pounds, um, it's really uncomfortable, like really uncomfortable. So just losing 10 pounds, like I came home from the hospital, I was 10 pounds down that Saturday. But then by Sunday, I was 12 pounds down. And by Monday, I was 15 pounds down. And so for the last four days, maybe five, I've been stuck at 151 pounds which is interesting just i mean it is what it is I, it, i'm not saying it's good or bad it's just it is and um you know obviously i'd like that to go down to like 140 so then once i'm cleared to exercise i can kind of work off the last 10 but um a lot of my clothes fit me um i actually got a pair of jeans on <laughs> a pair of like stretchy made well jeans that were size zero shockingly i got them buttoned but i had a huge muffin top and um it did not feel good but i was just like oh wow that's so funny i could do this um but yeah i'm excited to wear normal clothes again um very few fit me at this point but i'm excited for when they do because you know you just live in sweatpants if you're pregnant over the winter in a pandemic you're just like constantly in sweatpants and i'm very excited for the time when i cannot be in sweatpants uh so definitely looking forward to that um and paying attention to the scale just as like as again we've done so many body po you know body positive body sovereignty episodes on here if you're curious about my standpoint on that definitely browse the content on this podcast and you'll find tons of my uh, perspective there but I'm um, just really curious to see what happens. Um, and if uh, my guess is, and it's always been this since I got pregnant, is that when I am fully back to my quote unquote normal body and I quote unquote lost the baby weight, I feel like I'm actually going to be lighter than 130 because I know I've lost some strength and muscle. And a lot of that carrying me at 130 was... Um, a lot of muscles so we will see but um i'm still sort of like what have i missed i'm sure there's something um I'll, i'm calling this part one because i'll do a part two just because there is so much here um but yeah i'm grateful for you guys tuning in so many of you we broke records on numbers for the um for our uh, birth story podcast if you haven't listened to it uh, consider giving it a listen it is a little bit traumatic some of the feedback i've gotten i just want to share because it's kind of funny one person was like wow you're strong mofo like i'm not telling my pregnant friends about this because it's really scary you know i'm glad you're okay 
I've had a lot of people say, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Um, but you know, if it's any help, I had sort of a similar experience and my second and third babies were much easier. Um, I had someone say, I, I, I feel mind fucked <laughs> because they were like, I don't get it. That was crazy. That's a lot. Um, but definitely an interesting episode. So, um, if you have any, I, and I'll, I'll just do the same disclaimer here. I said, you know, if you are scared of birth, um, you may not want to listen. Um, however, if it were me and someone said that, here's what I would want to know. Going into birth, my perspective was you either get an epidural and it's peaceful and amazing and relaxing, um, or you go natural and it's kind of primal and painful and there's like one or the other. And I had a very much an experience that was primal and, and painful and I also was highly medicated. So I'll throw that at you. If you're curious, go listen. Um, thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. Um, this summer, I'm really not sure what we're going to do as far as guests go because I'm much more interested in educating right now you guys when I do have time as a solo from a solo cast standpoint like I did last summer versus um, a bunch of interviews um, selfishly because I don't want to spend time creating <laughs> the marketing for these guests because my time right now is so precious with the baby. I'd rather just put solo casts out for coaching purposes. Um, but if you if you are if you have a good story to tell, Obviously, you know, I may be doing interviews more in the fall and who knows, maybe a week from now I'll change my perspective. But um, for now, um, thank you so much for listening. There's a ton of good content that's been coming out since I've um, been, uh, since I've given birth and um, been in this postpartum phase and um, don't sleep on that because there's a lot of good stuff, a lot of incredible women who have come on uh, and I just am excited for you guys to learn from them. So tune into those other episodes. Um, check out the Body Sovereignty one, which was my first episode I did in 2021. Um, and as always, thank you for listening and dare to move.